Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. In issues of racism, there are going to be some who will say, why don't you stick to preaching gospel? The social, political, and economic concerns have increasingly encroached upon the minds of those who should know better. The real transformative work in a nation is the transformative work of the gospel. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, the shame. If I had a mule, I'd throw dirt on it. This is Wretched Radio. Uh, sitting in my computer files are your testimonies. A long time ago, I requested you sent in a pithy version of your conversion story because I dig them. I dig them a lot. And you will, too, because it's an encouragement and a reminder. God is saving people. That is why I think sharing testimonies in church is a magnificent thing, especially before baptisms, because you get to hear, wow, you're a train wreck and God saved you like me, a bigger train wreck. And it's it's so encouraging to hear stories of God working in other people's lives. Unfortunately, Jimmy dragged his feet on it. It's my fault. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So let us get to what I believe will be very encouraging testimonies for you, starting with Allie. Hi, my name is Allie, and this is my testimony. I was not raised in a Christian home. However, my mom and dad were and are happily married and very loving parents. Without knowing the Lord, they cared about godly values and taught us about the importance of virtue and wholesomeness. I see this as God's grace, protecting me from a lot of sin that I could have easily gotten involved in. They wanted to raise my siblings and I to be familiar with lots of different religions and belief systems. And so the church we attended growing up was quite a melting pot of those things. We were introduced to some of the Bible, but it was presented right alongside every other religious Mm. scripture and teaching, each one of them being presented as equal paths to God. We prided ourselves on being tolerant, but the irony is that the main thing that we were intolerant of was Christianity, (laughs) which was the only exclusive religion in our minds. Many of you know this belief as universalism, that all will eventually be saved. This is clearly in direct contrast to scripture. As Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Sadly, I didn't believe that the Bible was the entirely true and fallible word of God. I always remembered being interested in God and curious about spiritual matters, even as a small child. Toward the end of high school, I believe the Holy Spirit started pulling me toward things of a Christian nature, through books and music and such. In my senior year, we moved across the country, another aspect where I see God's grace being very present, as we left our old church and life behind with the move. In our new home, not only did we have a new friend group that was made mainly of Christian families, but we also started attending a church that taught the Bible as the Word of God for the first time. At this point, I was reading my Bible daily and wrestling with so many questions. Outwardly, I was already this good Christian homeschool girl, but inwardly, I doubted my salvation and for a good reason. I never repented of my sins and trusted in Jesus alone to save me. God used a year of Bible teaching at that church, lots of individual study, and some very humbling events throughout the year to show me my desperate need for a Savior. One day at church, it all came to a head for me, and I recognized my pride and facade for what it was. The bottom line was that I was not adopted into God's family of believers, and I needed to immediately. That morning after the service, I got baptized and started truly walking with Christ. I cannot convey the freedom and joy that welled up in my heart that day. Thanks, and God bless. Wow. That's bing, bang, boom. You believe you get baptized. You make a confession, you get dunked. That is the pattern that we see in the book of Acts, isn't it? 
What, what do I need to do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sins are forgiven. Then get baptized as an external symbol of the internal work that God has accomplished in your heart. And they make it urgent. And I would encourage you to be urgent about it, too. If you've been a little bit lax for whatever reason, hesitant to get baptized, I would ask you why. Why don't you want to jump into the baptismal jacuzzi and get dunked? Search your heart. Ask God to search it for you. Because if you think, well, you know, it's good. you get all wet. You got to put on that stupid robe and. And walk around wet all day, and then you, know, you got to give your testimony, and it's just kind of embarrassing. You know, I've always kind of suspected I'll find out in eternity. That's one of the reasons for baptism. It is a humbling experience, <laughs> not something that people do every day, but it's commanded by our Savior. And if you've been dilly dallying, it's time to make it snappy and get baptized. And it will be an encouragement to the body, especially when you share your testimony. And we also get to see the gospel played out with the symbolic gesture of you going down into the water and then being raised up again to new life, just like Jesus Christ, just like what it means to be born again. Thank you, Allie. This is Corey. Hi, I'm Corey from Greenville, South Carolina, and this oh. is my testimony. I was born into a missionary family in West Africa and the Ivory Coast, so I grew up in a gospel-saturated, Bible-saturated atmosphere where I learned a ton of scripture. When we moved to the United States, to Greenville, South Carolina, in my very young years of my childhood, I was really good at following all the rules, doing the things we were supposed to do and not doing the things we were not supposed to do and literally satisfied in that life, even a little smug in that life mm -hmm. as I looked at my peers in my teenage years. And then at 20 years old, while leading a small group, we were given a curriculum and DVDs to go through called The Way of the Master. Uh -huh. And around six or seven weeks in to leading that small group, uh, around 20 years old, I was just in my room after leading one of those small groups and was heavy under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I didn't need to be convicted of some of these heinous sins, but I needed to be forgiven for my, uh, my righteousness, which was really filthy rags. And now it's been 15 years. I'm an elder in my church continuing to lead. And it was, uh, one of the most, it was the most formative moment of my life. And I'm grateful for it. If you've never listened to Hell's Best Kept Secret by Ray Comfort, please do yourself a really big fa favor. It's life-changing. It truly is. It will help you to make sense of so much. When you're done with that, listen to True and False Conversions. Very excited. I get to be with Ray Comfort tomorrow morning. Not kidding. I'm actually going to be sitting down with Ray for a Breaking Bread episode, and we are going to be talking about the subject of true and false conversions. This will be especially helpful if you've got youngins and they've made a profession of faith and you're going, gee, did they really? Is it just a thing? Are they feeling pressure? Do they just want to appease mom and dad? Should we get them baptized? This will help you with it. Go to livingwaters.com. Listen to Hell's Best Kept Secret then True and False Conversion, two of the finest sermons preached in America ever. I'm not exaggerating just because Ray pays me a great amount of money to say things like that. It is not just because of the fiduciary giving of Ray Comfort. So yeah, will, will Sam be there? 
Sam. Oh, yeah. Sam the dog? Sam the dog. <laughs> He'll be my favorite part. <laughs> you know what? I'll ask him to bring Sam the madman. It'll be kind of fun for me because I think the last time I saw Sam could have been, yikes, eight years ago, something like that. Wow. He was a frisky little fella. Just, if you want to know what Ray Comfort would be like as a dog, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Just bouncing all i mean i remember sitting in the living room and I, I i love dogs sam just could not sit still yep like father like son in this instance please listen to those sermons they're life-changing and no ray doesn't pay me a penny which i'll be discussing with him tomorrow morning when we talk about false conversions it was probably 20 years ago that i heard it now uh, this it, I love Ray Comfort and the whole gang at Living Waters. And I remember the first time I met Ray Comfort, he perplexed me. I was now newly kind of into evangelicalism, trying to sort the whole thing out, trying to figure out this, you know, who's who and what's what. And I was just mystified at how bad so much of the music and of the books and the preaching, if you could even call it that. It's like, what is you? And why are so many people who profess to be a follower of Christ not acting like it? So I listened to Hell's Best Kept Secret. No, I heard about a fellow who was going to debate the president of the National Atheist Association. I think it was in Florida. The man's name was Ron Barrier. And so I called up this Ray Comfort and said, hey, tell me, what was your opening boom? How'd you get them? You know, what'd you, what'd you use? Well, I opened the law naturally. I'm sorry, what? Well, I, I used the law of God to bring about the knowledge of sin. Wait, what does that have to do with proving God exists? It's circumventing the intellect to get to the conscience. Using the law of God to bring about the knowledge of sin, the law kills. The law silences the mouth, brings the whole world guilty before God. The law is a mirror so we can see ourselves in truth. And he started talking about it, and I was like, this is kind of interesting. And then I listened to Hell's Best Kept Secret. And then I listened to Hell's Best Kept Secret again because I had to hear it twice, and it clicked. Oh, no. So many professing Christians aren't. They don't understand the judicial nature of the gospel. They don't understand this is about forgiveness of sins. They've heard God has a wonderful plan for your life. They've heard, just ask Jesus into your heart, and everything is going to be rosy. And they've never repented and put their trust in Jesus Christ. Hence, the massive false conversion rate. And it was hell's best kept secret. I listened to it, blown away. And I thought, well, it can't get any better than this. And I don't know if it's better or just not quite as good as hell's best kept secret. But true and false conversion, woo, life changing and the lord used it to save Corey. hmm wonder if you using the lord the law on your children then preaching the gospel and repentance and faith might just save them this is wretched radio confession normally numbers aren't my favorite subject but these numbers make me happy MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared. 
among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable, biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. We've been telling you for well over a year that our newest production, Transformed, would be coming soon. We can finally say that Season 1 of Transformed is available now at Wretched.org and will also be airing on Christian TV networks all over the country. Transformed is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll have the opportunity to be a fly on the wall and witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people that struggle with OCD, substance abuse, grief, self-harm, anxiety, pain, lack of assurance, and more. You'll be shocked and encouraged at not only the Bible's ability to pinpoint a believer's struggle, but also offer powerful solutions. Not years of weekly visits or the band-aid of medication, but real biblical solutions. With the help of Dr. Greg Gifford and Dr. Dale Johnson, you will witness people go from brokenness to wholeness. Transformed like nothing else on Christian TV and available now at wretched.org. And don't forget the study guide. That's wretched.org. There are brothers and sisters in Ukraine who could use your help right now. Max, the Tomorrow Club's leader in Ukraine, visited us on the telephone to share the need that many believers in eastern Ukraine currently have. Our focus was children evangelism. And right now, we have to walk away from that and really serve those families who had to escape. Our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West trying to meet the needs of those families. It's a good opportunity to show pride to them in this time of trial. Pretty unlikely that you can visit Ukraine to help those brothers and sisters, but there are hands and feet on the ground, the Tomorrow Club leaders helping out brothers and sisters in need in Ukraine. To learn more about how you can help and support the Tomorrow Clubs, who we hope will quickly return to children evangelism, learn more at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1456. Johann Gutenberg produces the first printed Bible, and his press becomes a means for dissemination of new ideas and catalyzing changes in politics and theology. Without the printing press, the Reformation may have looked very different. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Might as well just admit it. We're sexist. This is Wretched Radio. You're going to love testimonies that people called into one 282 beep I'm looking at the names. I haven't heard these either. I'm looking at the names of the people. And one is a no-name male. Another's a no-name male. Mike, John, Corey. Then we've got Allie. She's a she. A no-name female. And Sandy, who I presume is also a she. But Sandy can be. A, a, a boy's name too but it's more men than women we didn't we, we didn't solicit more boys than girls but this is in a way encouraging to me because more women go to church than men so when i see more men doing something than women it's like yes because i 
don't need to remind you, there is an absolute drought of masculinity, correct biblical masculinity in the church today. So, fellas, thank you very much for sharing your testimonies at one 282 beep This is a male. Hello, this is John with my two-minute testimony. At age 48, uh, I became a Christian after about 30 years or so of being a violently angry Mm. atheist. And as I described the circumstances that surrounded my becoming a Christian, uh, including having a year where many friends and family, my my father died and Mm. other people died, and I had a serious heart condition that needed open-heart surgery, various circumstances of that kind. And as I think about how I was how I was exposed to the gospel, which at that point was primarily uh, through a comic book that someone gave to me as a joke on my thirteenth birthday, hmm. that secretly frightened me. Um, as I look back on those circumstances, the amazing thing is that so many people have had similar or worse circumstances and have been exposed to much more robust presentations of the gospel and yet are not saved. So praise God for that. (laughs) Thank you. Nope. Thank you. Do you still get choked up when you think about what the Lord did for you? I have to confess, if you just said, How did you get saved? I could give you a pretty textbook-like answer. But if you said, no, 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 tell me, like, what happened? I can't do that without getting verklempt. I just, I can't. I Believe me, I've tried. In fact, the last time that I was in California, I it was the strangest thing. I We were bouncing from, like, you know, one group of friends in ministry to another. So I was I was at, Phil had me at, at Grace to You. And in front of the, the staff said, well, what's your testimony? And then, oh, and then I was with the Master's Academy International, which is a great ministry doing great work in 17 countries around the globe, training pastors to rightly divide the word of truth. And we're at this big dinner and they said, Todd, would you get up and share your testimony? And that happened like four times. And I thought on the fourth time, I'm going to get through this one. Nope. No, I couldn't, because it still amazes me. No, it it maybe amazes me more today as I increasingly understand my depravity, the depth of sin, and yet the depth of God's grace. Thank you, John, for sharing that. Jimmy, you ever get verklempt? Oh, every time. Yeah. Absolutely every time. Well, then why don't you call one 877 I don't know why I put his name as no name. He clearly said his name. No, his name was no. He's not a no name. He was John. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got okay. him. I but got. I, I think that so we can just let's just deal with the sexist accusation. <laughs> Here's a girl. Actually, it's we don't have this one. This this would be a no name female. That doesn't sound good at all. Hi, you asked for testimonies, so here's mine. I grew up in a Christian home. I was very good at following rules and pretty confident that I was a good person. Mm -hmm. 
when I was 13, I started working during my summer times at a Bible camp. And every year we would have a pastor named Jim Osman come oh, and I know teach Jim. Us about evangelism um, using the tools from the way of the master. So when I was about 16 or 17, I was at the camp and thinking about how I had regularly told my campers that they were sinners in need of repentance. (laughs) And one night it hit me that I was a liar and a sinner who also was in need of repentance. And that's when God saved me. Um, I've been walking with him for over 10 years now. So, yep, that's it. Thank you guys for all your work. Yeah, that's great. That's two for living waters. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's what the law does. It's not Ray. It's not living waters. It's not their tracks. It is the law of God convicting of sin that the Holy Spirit works with to regenerate. So use that law. And and use it as deeply and thoroughly as somebody will let you get away with. The more you preach the law, the more good the gospel sounds. The more you dive into what sin is in God's eyes, not in our eyes, God's eyes, it brings about a conviction that the Holy Spirit uses to regenerate people, granting them repentance and faith. So, Ray, Ray, I'll talk to you about this. I'll bring these. I'll bring these to my meeting with Ray tomorrow. Ah, yeah. You know what's going to be fascinating about having a meal with Ray? We're going to sit down and try to eat. And I don't know if I've ever said this publicly, <laughs> but it's not fun to eat with Ray Comfort. Why? I know you'd go. Well, it would be like totally a gas. Does he chew with his mouth open? Okay, now there's two reasons why it's not fun <laughs> to have a meal with Ray Comfort. The the the, the issue. You're in a restaurant, and you you get walked to the the booth or wherever to get seated. So you get there, and you go, Ray, Ray, where are you? He's witnessing to the bus boy. He's witnessing to the waitress, and it's like, come on, we gotta we gotta order. We're on a schedule here, and we got some stuff to talk. Okay, okay. Sits down for about two seconds, fidgety. If there were a picture in the dictionary for ants in your pants, it's Ray Comfort. And then, like mid-sentence. So, anyway, Todd, I was thinking, I'll be right back. And then off he goes because somebody new walked into the restaurant that he hadn't hit with a gospel tract yet. So now we're going to be actually having a meal inside of Living Waters. This will be fascinating. He's going to have no place to run, nobody to witness to. <laughs> it's going to be miserable for him. one 282 beep Leave your testimony. We'd love to hear it. Testimony. So I grew up Southern wait, Baptist. Wait, 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 wait. Church. Is that church sign guy? <laughs> I think so. That's what I, I wanted his name. <laughs> and he leave. didn't leave it. He cracks me up. Testimony. So I grew up Southern Baptist, went, been going to church since nine months before I was born. But, uh, you know, even after <laughs> praying the sinner's prayer and getting baptized at a very young age, I realized that, you know, my life just wasn't what the preacher was talking about, what the Sunday school teachers were talking about, even what my parents were talking about. It just didn't quite match up, didn't quite line up. Well, all that changed when I was about 17 and some stuff went down at my church and I realized, hey, I don't know what's happening anymore. 
And this verse popped into my head that I had memorized way back when, before I even knew what it really meant. In fourth grade, it was James 1.5. And so I just started asking God for wisdom. And he revealed so much more than what I was asking or even expecting when he showed me the glorious truth of Christ and Christ crucified for my sins. And ever since then, I've just been striving to um, live for him in whatever ways I can, however the Spirit's leading. Outstanding. So cool. And that, by the way, is so common. It is a blessing to grow up in a godly home. It really is. But it does bring a little bit of a challenge for the youngin who always believed in Jesus, always saying, Jesus loves me, this I know. They grow up baked in it. And that is a blessing. But sometimes they don't realize that they themselves need to put their faith in Jesus Christ, that they need to access grace via Jesus Christ by repenting and putting their trust in him. So that that Mr. No-Name church sign guy is very, very typical. If you would be so kind, don't panic, Jimmy. Type into the Googler machine, Justin Peters, forbid them not. I think that's the name of his book, which deals with the subject of how do you kind of navigate the choppy waters of your child's conversion? Are they saved? Aren't they saved? Because you don't want to get them baptized if that's like, you know, son, I really think without fruit and without a correct understanding, maybe we should wait a little bit. Jimmy, did I, did I, was, am I right? Is that what it's called? Not even close. What is it? Don't hinder them. <laughs> <laughs> well, he must be using the NLT or something. <laughs> I thought better of Justin. That book is really, really helpful. Justin Peters, I think you can find it at justinpeters.org. Thank you for your testimonies. They are a blessing and encouragement. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hanks. Now, the leader of the second largest teachers union in the country had this to say last week. This is propaganda. This is misinformation. This is the way in which wars start. She's referring to the Florida Parental Rights and Education Bill, which is something she strongly opposes, saying that its creation is how wars start. But wars against who? Parents who desire to protect their children from sick and twisted grooming and brainwashing? Also the left's favorite tactic these days, and it really started to come to surface with COVID, but it's to label all things they disagree with as misinformation. I'm sorry, but a desire to protect children from sexual dialogue that they aren't even old enough to understand isn't misinformation. It's called being a responsible human. And now across the pond we go, where an elderly street preacher who was arrested a year ago in London and charged with hate speech has been acquitted of those ridiculous charges. Pastor John Sherwood spoke from Genesis 1 as he shared a biblical view of marriage, and the backlash from bystanders led to the pastor being arrested, where he spent the night in jail before being released. At his trial, Sherwood argued that he has the right to freedom of expression as outlined in UK's Human Rights Act. The court agreed and the pastor was acquitted. The Florida House and Senate both approved a bill last week that would overturn the special district that allows Disney to have special tax and law privileges in Orlando. The bill now heads to the governor's desk for a signature, and if the governor does sign the bill into law, Disney's special district will be dismantled in June of next year. 
Well, it was recently reported that Russian President Vladimir Putin has sent a letter to the Israeli government requesting control over an historic Jerusalem church, the Church of St. Alexander Nevsky. The Nevsky Church was initially under Russian control until the 1917 Russian Revolution. In 2020, Israeli's Prime Minister agreed to give the church back to Russia in exchange for the release of an Israeli citizen being held in Russia. That decision was overturned last month, and now the Russian president is stepping in to make that request again. Well, if this doesn't make your stomach turn, it should. A recent article published on Today.com was written by a guy who says he wanted his son to reject masculine stereotypes, but then his son went and fell in love with tractors. What a failure of a father that guy is. Here's a quote from that masterpiece of an article. All my life, I prided myself on blurring gender lines, but when my young son started to gravitate toward the very things I shunned, I wasn't sure what to do. I guess you should have just locked him in the house and only let him watch True Paul on TV. I mean, what do you mean you aren't sure what to do? You do realize your son isn't you, don't you? Having an affinity for tractors isn't immoral, but having fairy tale beliefs about genders kinda is. More Ratchet Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. God called the prophet Jonah to preach repentance in Nineveh. Jonah fled, but he could not outrun God. He was cast into the sea and swallowed by a great fish. Jonah repented, and God spared him. Jonah then preached in Nineveh, and they repented. God is compassionate and merciful, and he is calling men from all nations to repentance. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You've got issues. The Bible has solutions. This is Wretched Radio. You got them. I got them. Jimmy really got them. Struggles, problems, confusion, emotions that are on the kafritz, bad thinking, perhaps bad living. That is, I don't want to say normative for the Christian, but it certainly isn't the exception. We are all dealing with our issues of emotions, how do we make right decisions and live godly life and resist temptation, the Bible can help you. And if and you don't mind, before we get to how that works and why your church should be a biblical counseling center and why it will do your pastor a world of good to get immersed in biblical counseling, if you got physical issues, and you're scrambling with the whole health insurance business, please check out MediShare. They may not be right for your family, but you should check them out because of all of the benefits. Typical family with affordable biblical health sharing saves $500 a month. Well, that's good enough. They've got telehealth. They've got twice the customer satisfaction rate of traditional health insurance. Visit MediShare.com slash wretched. MediShare.com slash wretched and study it. And then how's about giving them a call? It'll take you two minutes. You'll get a quote and you will be prayed for. It's a fast prayer because it's a two minute call. You can find MediShare at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Now let's get to your emotional issues. Have I told you we're doing a new TV series called Transformed? It's biblical counseling in action because we have seen it work. Biblical counseling has power because it is using God's powerful word to disciple people. 
And if your church would consider starting small is just fine, training the saints to become biblical counselors. You can do that at biblicalcounseling.com, biblicalcounseling.com. Become a certified counselor. And pastor, you maybe already took these classes in seminary, so you probably don't need to get accredited through the ACBC program, but you might want to and consider this an encouragement to do some biblical counseling because it is going to help your preaching. Reading an article that was sent to me from ACBC, it actually can be found at oh tms.edu. <laughs> that would be the master seminary is what that is. How Counseling Sharpens Preaching. This was written by Jesse Randolph. Uh, this is just another bonus of biblical counseling. If your pastor does it, he's going to become a better preacher. Let me explain how that works. Jay Adams once wrote, Nothing enables a preacher to ring the bell in a Sunday sermon like knowing that in counseling he has already helped five persons with what he's about to say. The man who puts his exegesis to work, not just on Sunday, but all week long in the counseling room, ministering the word to those in trouble, will rattle his people's windows when he preaches. And he's going to do it sensitively to boot. Because he real, he's been, let's just say, let's just say, your issue is anxiety. And he was with probably several people during the week because, wow, is it pervasive. And he's been counseling somebody, and they, they've been breaking down. They're sad. They're crying. They're confused. They they're just, they're just feel blue. Do you think he's going to get up in the pulpit and go, all right, so you anxious people, like, let's get with the program here. It's a sin, you know. Not going to do that because he's become tenderized and he's going to have insights. The pastor who counsels, as he enters the pulpit, has a stomach of steel. He's rock-ribbed. He's used to looking across his desk squarely into the eyes of his straying sheep and pleading with them to return. He is accustomed to presenting biblical truth to the religiously proud and challenging them on whether or not they have been born again. So he's got He's got a little bit of an armor building up when he does biblical counseling. And he's got the ability then to look at his congregation and lovingly proclaim truth, especially calling people to repentance who perhaps are deceived into thinking they are when they're not. That's what biblical counseling will do for you, Pastor. At the same time, he's passed countless boxes of Kleenex across his desk to the broken, convicted, weak, despairing, ashamed, helpless, and hopeless. He has mourned, grieved, and cried with his people. A man with counseling credentials like these preaches not only boldly, but about with conviction. He preaches with a lump in his throat and tears in his eyes. Have you considered incorporating biblical counseling into your church? You know, if for no other reason, you should encourage your pastor to do so, and he'll become a better preacher. I know that's a little self-serving for you, but I'm not sure it's a sin to approach it that way. Not in a manufactured way designed to tug on the heartstrings of a captive audience. Haven't we all seen that? Instead, 
He does so as a result of the genuine outworking of the chiseling work of the spirit that the Spirit of God has done on him through caring for souls. Oh, pastor, please consider biblical counseling. The preacher who has a dual commitment to counseling will more naturally land the plane in his sermon. That doesn't just mean wrapping it up, but landing the plane where it's like, yes, I got it. I see it. In his sermon, he'll he'll land the plane with earnest appeals to his people to both believe and put into practice what they have heard from God's word. By the way, your pastor's application skills will go through the roof because he's going to be applying the Bible to people's hearts all week long. And he's going to understand the struggles, the challenges in a very intimate way. And he is going to be able to address them in a way that helps people go, oh, I see. Our pastor right now, I don't think he has completed his doctorate in biblical counseling. That's that's. But I've been watching. I think he's been at it for two years trying to get the, the doctorate in biblical counseling. By the way, did you know Master's University has a doctorate in biblical counseling? a master's and an undergrad, masters.edu. And I've watched his, pre- he's a great preacher, love our pastor, and his applications just keep getting better and better and sweeter and sweeter and more insightful than ever. He's always been a great preacher, but now it's like, dude, you, you looking into our windows? How, how'd you know that was going on exactly? And the answer is biblical counseling. It sharpens the pastor. By doing biblical counseling, it sharpens the pastor. It'll deepen a man's convictions about the sufficiency and power of God's word. That's worth the price of admission. The preacher who regularly counsels has seen up close and personal the transformative power of God's word working in the lives of countless image bearers. That means your pastor is going to be less likely to preach from a Disney clip And he's going to preach from the Bible, and he's going to proclaim it like it is indeed the word of God. Biblical counseling benefit. It increases the desire for soul winning. The preacher who is committed to counseling God's word will have an oversized heart for the lost, an insatiable appetite for winning souls, because as his counseling ministry has demonstrated many times over, not all who sit under the ministry of the word are true sheep and securely in God's fold. That's what biblical counseling will do for the pastor. God doesn't stop there, however. If you preach, you're going to become a better biblical counselor. It's a two-way street. The benefits are everywhere. The committed preacher counsels with authorities up in the pulpit. Well, he's not going to be that same fiery way in a counseling session, but he's going to have the ability to say clearly, my friend, I think you're the second soil. You need to examine your heart. He's going to have convictions because he preaches. The committed preacher counsels didactically. So all the studying that he does all week long gets incorporated into his counseling to boot. So he's bringing in more Bible. The committed preacher counselor, reluctant to appeal to the emotions of his counselees as he warns them about the practical perils of potential decline into drunkenness, a loveless marriage, or the folly of engaging in political idolatry in election years. He's going to go after these things. The committed preacher counselor does not shy away from calling on his counselees as he does from the pulpit to respond to 
truth. The committed preacher counsels with depth and diligence. The committed preacher counsels dependently because he knows that he needs God because he sees all of our need for God every single day that he is in the counseling chair. All that to say, look and consider the benefits of biblical counseling, how it affects the pulpit and how the pulpit can affect the counseling center, not to mention the fruit that will be born as people heal emotionally, grow in sanctification, get saved. It can also be used as an outreach to your neighbors. You fly a flag that says, got issues? They're going to come. And the first counseling session is all about the gospel. So biblical counseling can also be very evangelistic. Biblicalcounseling.com or masters.edu. This is Wretched Radio. Thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. We are certainly grateful for your time. So here's a crazy scenario. Did you know that there is a way for you to know all of the latest happenings at Wretched? When you can't even keep up with all that's happening in your own life, you can keep up with everything happening at Wretched. See, told you it was a crazy scenario. But you can keep up with all of these things by signing up to receive the monthly Wretched newsletter. Each month, Wretched sends out a newsletter covering tough theological issues Christians are facing today and you're also going to get the updates about what's new and upcoming and wretched makes you kind of wish somebody would send you a newsletter about what's going on in your own life well we can't do that but we can certainly let you know what's happening in ours plus we give away resources every single day to one of our newsletter recipients so go get signed up for the wretched newsletter now at wretched.org newsletter wretched amazing grace amazing gospel Let's visit a preborn life center in action. Look at that baby. Abortion pill reversal actually works. That's a beating heart. Look how strong it is. Tell me. That doesn't encourage you to consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. $28 purchases a free ultrasound for a mommy who will choose life. It is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio airs on over 820 Christian radio stations, or Wretched TV appears on 125 Christian TV stations. I could tell you that the Wretched Radio podcast has had nearly 5 million downloads in the last year, or the Wretched YouTube channel has had nearly 125 million all-time views. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your continued support that has helped us reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel. 
Ratchet Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and our newest production, Transformed, are all possible because of the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? We rely on your kindness and your generosity and your ongoing prayers. Visit wretched.org slash donate to get all of the details. That's wretched.org slash donate, or you can text the word wretched to the number 44321. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is exhortation, the spiritual ability to encourage, comfort, and admonish God's people. Whether God's people are oppressed, confused, or in error, God has provided the gift of exhortation to comfort, urge, and correct them. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You uh, you might want to put a helmet on. This could hurt. This is Wretched Radio. You, upon hearing the headline of this particular story, might just want to run your head into a wall. Not the way that I did a few weeks ago in the middle of the night. That was kind of an accident. You might want to do it intentionally because we see the world, what they're doing, how they're thinking, and it just, you just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just put your palm to your forehead and think about V8s and just go, what is the matter with people? Well, they're lost and they're confused and their minds are darkened. Having said that, does it get any more bonkers than this? University asks, professors to consider the race of mathematicians before relying on their work. Oh, we're decolonizing math, are we? That's right. If a white mathematician came up with that formula, be careful. Don't use that because... Well, actually, I don't know why exactly, but I think it has to do with critical race theory if I'm not incorrect. This is simply applying some of the structures and framework of CRT. If white people are oppressors, then everything that they put their hand to is systematic or systemic rather, and it's racist. Therefore, we got to get rid of it all. It doesn't even matter if the white person concocted something really great, like a theorem or a formula that helps us to understand that let's 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 get rid of Einstein, no theory of right, white guy, and and he had a mustache that must count negatively for something because that's really masculine. Uh, this is this is preposterous, but this is the outworking of critical race theory, and it's another demonstration that pastor you do not want it in your church. Don't. I I don't think that we need to be snarky about it, but no, it can't come in. I'm not going to entertain it. I'm not going to talk about its particular benefits because all of its benefits can be achieved by simply studying the Bible and studying history and looking around and actually talking to people. We don't need CRT, which is a dead-end street. The view of University of Rhode Island the view we oh i see this is the view of the university of rhode island director of graduate studies of history science statistics and technology are all inherently racist he said (laughs) wow i had no idea jimmy you ever you ever built anything yeah what 
I built tables. Oh, racist. Tables are racist. <laughs> tables are racist. I'm you just sorry. made them to oppress people. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. To the people that couldn't afford to buy them from me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so tell me, disc jockey. Yes. You ever spin discs and talk on the radio? Absolutely. That was racist, too. <laughs> because you did it. Now, how unhelpful is that? People want to call it a helpful analytical tool. Well, it is an entirely destructive conversational tool. Durham University is calling on professors in the math department to ask themselves if they're citing work with mostly white or male mathematicians. And speaking of Marxism, (laughs) because that's Basically where the CRT business is going, and that would make sense because it initially does have its genesis in a fellow named Karl Marx. It's not coincidence. That's where we get Marxism from. Antonio Gramsci took the idea and said, let's just change this up a little bit and make it oppressor and oppressed. And that framework flourished. It was introduced into law schools in maybe the 90s. But it's caught on everywhere now. Some law schools just totally reject it. They, people like to say it's a legal theory. Well, okay, it's a legal theory. What does that have to do with understanding issues of skin color? And the Bible informs me on that. Not that you probably need this, but I thought it was relatively pithy, especially in this era where so many students, they think Marxism might be really groovy. It has to be about 15 years ago, maybe 14 years ago. I went to Georgia Tech, wandering around to witness to the kids. I clearly didn't belong there. They're all really smart. And I went to the board. It's the place where you pin up your activity, room for rent. You're selling a car, books, etc. Here's the play that's going to be performed. And there was a banner, and not on that poll, but a lot of them on that poll and other polls announcing that the communism club was meeting. I was like, wait, that was probably 2008. What? The kids are being slammed with it. And it is antithetical to biblical Christianity. Thank you to Joseph Matera for this. Socialism is against the biblical view of the nuclear family. Can't argue that. They don't like family because they know it's the bedrock institution of our culture. Marxists argue that, quote, the nuclear family performs ideological functions for capitalism. The family acts as a unit of consumption and teaches passive acceptance of hierarchy. It is also the institution through which the wealthy pass down their private property to their children, thus reproducing class inequality. That sounds biblical, doesn't it? Number to who? Socialists claim education belongs solely to the state. Well, that's kind of where we're at right now, isn't it? I think if the state could shut down homeschooling, they'd do it in a heartbeat. If they could get rid of Christian schools, I think they would be just fine with that. Number three, socialists claim the state deserves the highest allegiance. No, Jesus deserves the highest allegiance. Family is valued by God because he created the institution. God actually likes these things. And he instructed parents, you're the one responsible for training up your children. Now, you can let others do that too, but you're responsible for it. 
the state wants to remove that responsibility from you and take it upon themselves. Talk about chutzpah. You should know that in many communist nations, like the former Soviet Union, North Korea, China, Bibles are confiscated, church buildings are burned, and evangelism is illegal. They see Christianity as a rival religion to the authority of the humanistic secular state. And that goes against the biblical command to put God's kingdom first. Worship him and him only should you serve. Number four, socialists believe in the abolition of private property in land and application of all rents of land to public purposes. God thinks that private property ownership is a good thing. That's why we're not supposed to covet. Five, socialism advocates a progressive income tax. It's not the way you see it in the Bible. It was a flat tax in the Bible. Everybody paid the same amount. Now, sure, some people paid less or more, but it was a fair taxation system. Socialism ain't. That's why progressive taxes, it's not a biblical model. Number seven (laughs) reminds me. Do you recall seeing Vody Bauckham? He was sitting on a panel. I think he was with, oh, what's the name of the guy? He's got the pointy goatee. And they were they were talking about CRT. This is like several years ago. And the moderator said to Vody, so what, what are you going to say next? That progressive taxes are like communist? Yeah. Yeah, they are. It's exactly what they are. The moderator was surprised. In socialism, the state attempts to control all communication. Well, they shouldn't because we are to have the freedom to proclaim the gospel. Number eight, in socialism, a utopia comes from a revolutionary change from the outside in. Christianity, it is a change from the inside out. Number nine, socialism categorizes people as either the oppressed or the oppressors. That's not the way God sees it. We are to judge with impartiality. This this would be like going into a court of law. And it's it's preposterous, but that's exactly what is being encouraged with CRT. That the, the judge or the jury... Sees the has to see the color of the skin and makes their decision based on the color of the skin. Or imagine... If that doesn't sound preposterous to you, imagine that the jury had to know how much you made. And if you made more than the person that you're in court with, well, you're you're prob- you're the guilty one. You'd go, but, but wait, but, 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 but. it's not fair. Exactly. Socialism categorizes people in an unbiblical way. The Bible categorizes people, though, in two different camps. Saved? Not saved. Number 10, socialists believe the government is responsible for all social care in socialist and communist countries. The state is responsible for caring for the poor. All goods and services provided by the state. Where did they get all that stuff? Oh, yeah, they took it from people who were producers. That's called stealing. That's called a redistribution of wealth. That is not recognizing hard work and the reward that comes with it. I think we have a parable about that. It doesn't recognize what a blessing it is to have some things that help you to achieve things. All that to say, in case you'd forgotten, communism, it ain't a good idea. You might want to share this list with your children because that's not what they're going to tell them if you send them to public school. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.